Welcome back to The Boy from Splendora, Texas by Wallace Gibbs. Saturday morning. Wallace, Virgil, time to get up, Mama bellowed from the kitchen. Can we sleep in just a little longer? I yelled back. Get up. It's eight o'clock and the chickens need to be let out, Mama replied. Sleepily, I slowly moved my feet to the edge of the bed and then to the cold tile floor. Earlier in the week, Mama had waxed the floors, and as I put my feet down, the floor felt clean and nice. I could still smell the fresh scent of the wax. Virgil, Mama said to get up. I mumbled to my brother, who was in the matching twin bed on the other side of the room. I don't want to get up. Virgil said incoherently to anyone but me. Get up, I said a little more sternly. We've got to go do our chores. I left the room and walked down the hall to the bathroom. I went in, did my business, and then headed to the kitchen. On the way past our bedroom, I could see that Virgil was sitting on the side of his bed trying to wake up. Hey, I said as I passed the room. Brother Skeeter's here. I can hear him talking to Daddy. Maybe he brought us a bag of M&Ms like he did last time. Virgil replied back and then quickly fell into line behind me. As we came through the living room towards the kitchen, I could see Skeeter Sharp, Alan Barlow, and Nelson Womack sitting at the kitchen table with Daddy. All three men were regulars at our house on Sunday mornings, Saturday mornings, arriving early to sit and drink coffee while Mama made them breakfast. Morning, boys, Brother Skeeter said. Morning, Brother Skeeter, Virgil and I replied in unison. Did you bring us any candy? Virgil asked. Boys, Mama shouted, go do your chores. Yes, ma'am, we responded as we went outside. I'll let the chickens out and feed and water them if you'll feed and water Wilma and Wilbur, I said to Virgil as we started walking to the back of our property where the animals were located. Deal, Virgil said. Hey, did you hear that Mr. Hahn is coming over later today to castrate Wilbur? Really? Why is he doing that? I asked. Daddy says that he wants to butcher Wilbur in the fall, and castrating him will make the meat taste better, Virgil informed me. What's castration? I wondered aloud. I'm not sure, Virgil quickly responded. Wilbur was our boar hog that was kept in a pen adjacent to Wilma, our sow. Wilma had had a litter of piglets about four weeks earlier, and we had to keep the adult pigs separate because boar hogs will sometimes kill piglets when they are allowed to be in the same pen. I'm finished, I said. How about you? I'm ready, Virgil replied. I'll race you to the house. Last one there is a moron, I called back as I began running towards the house as fast as I could. Virgil was a much faster runner than I was, so I needed every bit of a head start that I could get. With both of us pumping our arms and running as fast as we could, we reached the back door to the house right at the same time. Next time I'll beat you, 
Virgil said between breaths. Besides, you got a head start. I'd like to see you beat me, I replied back, also breathing heavily. As we entered the utility room, I could smell the aroma from the fried eggs and sausage that Mama was cooking. No one could fry an egg like my mom. I loved taking the edge of a piece of toast and breaking the yolk of the egg and soaking up all the yellow insides before eating the remaining egg white. Virgil and I grabbed our breakfast plates, moved to the table, and began eating. We listened to Brother Nelson, Brother Barlow, and Brother Skeeter talk with Daddy about general business issues and the church, Harmony Baptist, one of the focal points in our lives. Virgil and I finished our breakfast, took our dishes to the sink, and returned to the table. Hey, Brother Skeeter, did you bring us anything? We asked. Well, I thought you might like these, he said as he revealed two small packets of peanut M&Ms. Cool, thank you very much, we said. Boys, you need to save those until this afternoon, Mama said. Skeeter, you know you shouldn't do that. That's all right. I like getting these boys something every once in a while. Besides, it doesn't even cost me a dollar, Brother Skeeter said as he winked at both me and Virgil. Can I see your T&T pills, I said as I put my arm around his shoulder. Wallace Eugene, Mama exclaimed. You mean my nitroglycerin pills? he offered as he took a small, flat, round metal box from his front shirt pocket. Yes, sir, I said. Isn't nitroglycerin and TNT the same thing? Basically, he said. Why do you need them? I inquired. Well, if I have problems with my heart, I'm supposed to take one to see if that solves the problem. If not, then I would need to go to the hospital, he exclaimed. I hope that never happens, I quietly said. Me too, he replied back. Boys, you two need to go outside. Why don't you ride your bikes down to Mrs. Philly's? I've got some jars that I need to give her, Mama commanded. Do we have to? I asked. That's one, my mother said as she held up her pointing finger to indicate what degree of seriousness she was at. Anyone who knew the Gibbs family well knew that Mama had three warning levels. That's one meant to cease what you are doing immediately and adopt a corrective action. That's two meant imminent danger of spanking. Refer to that's one immediately. That's three was too late and resulted in a spanking. The beauty of this system was that depending on what you were doing could result in a step-skipping move by my mother. If she was really annoyed, she would blurt out, that's two, and we all knew better than to ask what happened to that's one. Virgil and I said goodbye to all three men and went outside to get our bikes. Hey. Why don't we ride to Maywood Eggers after we stop at Miss Philly's, since we are already out? I suggested to Virgil. Sounds good to me, I heard him say as we took off east down FM 2090 towards the Philly's house. In April of that year, Daddy had gotten us the coolest bikes for our birthday. 
The bikes look like motorcycle dirt bikes complete with shock absorbers attached to the front and back wheels, red plastic fenders covering the two wheels, and a red simulated gas tank attached to the frame. These were the best bikes in the whole world and the envy of many of the neighborhood boys. We paddled past the Mays house and the Womack's house and past the section of woods next to it. The first street that we came to was Relza Drive, which we called Horseshoe Bend Road because of its U-shape. On the left side of the road was Mr. and Mrs. Pezzle's house. Mr. and Mrs. Pezzle owned the local gas station convenience store where Tram Road intersected FM 2090, exactly eight-tenths of a mile going west from our house. Mr. Pezzle's store marked the spot where the school was required to offer busing. Anyone that lived on FM 2090 prior to that store had to arrange their own transportation. That is, until a student was hurt one day and the school opened up Route 13 to accommodate these kids. Mrs. Pezzle was the only person that we knew in Splendora that drove a Cadillac. It was a beauty, a 1977 beige Coupe de Ville with a dark brown vinyl top. Occasionally, she would work the counter at the store, and that's the only time that I ever saw her outside of that car. The jars that Mama gave me were perched in front of me on my bicycle seat. I held on to the sack with one hand and steered my bike with the other. I couldn't wait to leave them at Mrs. Philly so that I could devote all of my energy to pedaling my bike. Finally, we reached the other part of Horseshoe Bend Road and the Phillies house, which was bordered by FM 2090 on the north side, Relza Drive on the west side, the Nolans house on the east side, and the many, many acres that Mr. Philly owned on the south side. Virgil and I turned into their dirt driveway, and I propped my bike up with the kickstand, and I entered their porch area headed to the side door while Virgil waited with the bikes. When we arrived, I noticed that Mrs. Philly's international travel law was not in the driveway. Whew! I exclaimed. Hopefully she's not here, and I can put the jars by the door and get out of here. Mrs. Philly was all right. I guess. It's just that she talked a lot and you could get caught for what seemed like hours listening to her yammer on about something. I knocked on the side door and began counting. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. Hey, Wallace, what are you doing here? I heard Betty Philly say as she opened the door. Betty was about five or six years older than me and was in the same grade as my sister Charlotte. Even as a kid, I knew that there was something different about Betty. She just didn't seem to be all there. However, overall, she was always nice to me and we got along. Mama asked me to bring these jars down to your mama. I think she's going to do some canning later on. She is. Betty replied. She went to Kroger and Porter to get some more supplies. Well, here are the jars, I said hurriedly. You can come in if you like, she said. No, thank you. Virgil is waiting on me outside, I returned. 
we want to ride around Maywood Acres before it gets too hot. Oh, okay, she said as she took the jars from me. See you later, I said as I turned to go. I hurried off the porch and headed back towards Virgil. This concludes Episode 1 of Saturday Morning. <laughs>